0: Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal and the managing director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome back to Cannabis Daily for Monday, January 24th. If you like what you see, you can check out the rest of our channel with our full Business of Cannabis archives right here on this YouTube channel. So please do subscribe. For those new to Business of Cannabis, since 2017, we've highlighted the companies, brands, people and trends driving the cannabis industry and that's what we look to do here every day. Following the rundown of the key stories we're following, We'll get to our BFC Live segment this time. It's a podcast only, where we'll be joined by Justin Johnson. He's the founder and CEO of BudsFeed. You can find them at BudsFeed.com. We'd love to hear from you in our comments, and always feel free to visit us at BusinessOfCannabis.com, as well as through all of our social channels, including Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Before we get going, we encourage you to check out two upcoming events. First, our retail series this Wednesday presented by Leafly and Vitrina Group. We'll be looking at inventory planning for 2022 and our Business of Cannabis Miami event, which is about cannabis retail tech design and data that will be in Miami on April 6th. The description of both events is below. And this week, we'll be writing updates about events in New York, Miami and Toronto. So please stay tuned for today's top stories. Will we see more mainstream companies enter cannabis this year? Jim Belushi talks cultivation, Canada gets its first cannabis test kitchen, and the Czech Republic could be Europe's most progressive medical cannabis market. For our first story, Some venture capitalists believe 2022 will see an influx of mainstream and institutional investment in the American cannabis sector, this according to Insider. While companies like Altria and Constellation have invested in the Canadian market, VCs are predicting more interest in the U.S. Two of the 14 VCs Insider interviewed weighed in. Beehouse's Gregory Heyman said that he thinks pharma, CPG, alcohol, and tobacco companies will invest in quote-unquote plant-touching cannabis companies. Jason Wild of JW Asset Management said to look for, quote, high-profile non-cannabis companies to enter the space because they are losing market share to cannabis products that offer cheaper, better, safer, more specific, and healthier alternatives favored by first-time and long-time cannabis users across every demographic. This according to Greg Heyman. For our second story, actor-turned-cannabis cultivator Jim Belushi appeared on NBC's Today show to promote the latest season of Growing Belushi, a, sh- a reality show that shows the ups and downs of growing cannabis in Oregon. Not news to anybody who's ever grown cannabis. He said, being a farmer is not easy. you got mold, you got mites, you got gophers, you got squirrels. Weather, I mean, I feel like a cross between Bill Murray and Elmer Fudd. It's a pretty good joke. We'll give him that. Uh, to, warm, uh, to warm today, welcome. Uh, uh, the warm today welcome on the Today Show uh, demonstrates how normalized cannabis is despite being absent uh, federal form. If only every cannabis brand could snag a reality TV show, we might be in business. For our third story, West Boulevard Cannabis is Canada's first cannabis focused culinary facility, according to a press relief release. Armed with both a microprocessing and research and development licenses, The Vancouver facility will, quote, host on-site palatability testing for our new product development and educational events, end quote, in collaboration with other licensed producers and other licensed uh, brands. The company was founded by CEO Connor McNamee, CMO Nico St. Thomas, Brad uh, Quivellin, sorry, and director of product Kaylee Weinberg. And its location in Vancouver's Mount Pleasant neighborhood, they said, Connor uh, uh, McNamee said, we're ecstatic to share this new facility with the Canadian cannabis industry. It's been years in the making, and to finally be testing and developing unique products on site feels surreal. Unclear of when our first trip out to BC will be to see the kitchen, but we will be there soon enough. For our final story, medical cannabis sales grew 63% over 20, in 2021, and they're not showing any sign of slowing in 2022. That, according to Prohibition Partners related to the Czech Republic, Uh, New legislation implemented January 1st also means consumers can now acquire prescriptions electronically rather than in paper form, easing barriers to access. Those are the stories we are following today at Business of Cannabis and the Cannabis Daily Show. Join 10,000 others and catch all these stories and much, much more in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. with our Cannabis Daily Newsletter. Coming up on BFC Live, a podcast conversation with Justin Johnson, the founder and CEO of BudsFeed, an online platform designed to connect people around their favorite cannabis-related products, services, and brands. We connected with Johnson adjacent to a recent event in New York City in December 2021 to understand the BudsFeed startup story and how Johnson views the cannabis sector in New York right now. Here's his conversation with Justin Johnson. Tell me, uh, tell me BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. We're going to talk about a couple of different things. We're going to talk BuzzFeed first.
1: Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, BuzzFeed, uh, was an idea I had several years back, but it's, a it's a community powered platform for sharing cannabis related products and services. And, and the intention when I created it, um, was not to function so much as a publisher, as much as a, a social platform, um, and giving entrepreneurs a place to sign up and share their new, uh. Products. I'm really spent a lot of time in advertising and technology. I'm obsessed with innovation, um, so created a place where, um, you know, all of this great innovation happening in the cannabis industries can be shared.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm intrigued by the innovation happening in cannabis too. It's you have a probably broader perspective because you're smarter um, than I do. But I just think like there's innovative companies doing really cool stuff all the time. Partly because companies outside of cannabis don't want to enter it, and partly because of the unique needs in the cannabis industry that are unique, obviously. Like, is it both of those things that you're, like, do you think it's both of those reasons why there's innovation happening all the time? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I think, well, I, and I, I don't think it's necessarily because people don't want to get in. I think what you're seeing is a lot of companies or people who are working for major, like, consumer package goods companies coming in. So if you look at, like, where we're at, with extraction technology today, like we were making canola oil and all sorts of stuff for a very long time as a country, right? I worked with Unilever in the past. I've worked with Frito-Lay. Like I've seen this machinery being applied to um, like mass food production. Um, And so it's really exciting to see that stuff being applied at like a super high level corporate level um, when we think about extraction or agriculture. And then on the other side, I, I really believe that there's... A cottage economy or a garage economy of cool startups Um, you know people that just had a really interesting idea and uh, you know we just don't have enough people in this industry to have thought about it yet you know so everything from uh, you know uh, bongs to vaporizers to um, these massive extraction machines there's just you know we're kind of making progress across or even small
0: extraction like small processes that people are doing in their garage they're trying to make it go, go from how to make bubble hash on my own to like do it at scale which is yeah a whole different thing
1: yeah and that's that's been wild yeah i i have some friends up in michigan at 42 degrees processing they're the largest hydrocarbon extraction facility in the state and to see you know these guys that were you know on the fringe of the legal market you know what 10 years ago they now run one of the most complex, like scientific awesome. facilities in the state of Michigan, right?
0: They're not lost. The irony is not lost in that, I imagine.
1: Oh no, and they're brilliant. Like they have, they actually have scientific backgrounds and, and uh, degrees and stuff like that. They're very qualified to do it. It's just, it's it's um, applied science. Yeah, it's just amazing too that you know, like these people that are so skilled for so long. <clears throat> you think about like the botanists, right? The people that have been saving yeah. tissue cultures for like decades. It's like. You literally have kept plants alive despite moving across the country, being raided, like all of these different things just because you love it so much. Right. And they're just now like being able to flex, right? Yeah.
0: It's awesome. I also think like people who, obviously the risk, but like we're honing their like edibles craft, like honing oh, yeah. out the best way to make gummies to save the flavor and to make it consistent throughout and like to be able to move from facility to, you know, into storage into people's homes. Like that stuff is...
1: Is cool, yeah. One of the, my favorite stories that I learned, uh, I think about a year and a half ago uh, you know, the executive chef and founder of Bubby's, which is a very famous New York mm-hmm. restaurant, um, he's the guy behind Azuka, which is you know, they've crystalline sugar, yeah, THC, and CBD, right? It, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's cool to see, um, you know that you know that knowledge whether it's culinary or or whatever being applied and really just how knowledgeable those people are it's it's kind of amazing when I have I have friends that will reach out to me because they have a family member or themselves they're they're looking to maybe um, get into cannabis to help with health problems or to relax because they don't want to take pharmaceuticals anymore and um, I refer them to some random person in Brooklyn you know who knows more about like you know versus a versus a a pharmacist or a doctor you know it's just kind of like um, those people are starting to make that transition though into this kind of this mainstream world it's acceptable now too I think we've, we've reached we've crossed the 50% threshold of like where the majority of people are like yeah okay I'm cool with weed you know well
0: I actually want to talk about that because it's, it, there, there is that threshold and then there's the threshold and we've been talking a lot while we've been in New York about the importance of New York and crossing that threshold not only as a city or a state but actually as a region, a country, and a world and New York is the hub of that, I think, mm-hmm. for a lot of different things. Like it has nothing, I mean, partly about cannabis, but like so much happens in New York that gets emulated somewhere else. And that could be about policy or about cannabis legalization or about anything, but there's something special about it happening in New York that has just major impact. I want to sort of get your thoughts, like having been close to it, understanding what's happening here, having seen in other places, like do you feel that that importance is happening here that'll have resonance well beyond the borders?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, I grew up in Washington State, and I, I spent a lot of time in Seattle. Uh, I, I felt like Seattle was the center of the universe for a very long time, like many people in Seattle, um, and for good reason. It's a beautiful city. I spent time in LA. I was there for about four years. People there think it's the
0: center of the universe too. Ironically. You know, and just, I live in San Francisco, and people in there think it's the center. Yeah, universe. if
1: you're in the entertainment business, that you <laughs> might be right. But um, I moved to New York to work in advertising. You know, I worked in advertising the majority of my career prior to getting into cannabis, and. Um, new york is just such a cultural hub it has so much influence and it's also a place where the community is so tight and i chalk that up to literally physical constraints of the yeah. city right like the richest man and the poorest man take the subway together to work yeah, right. um and so there's a very strong kind of communal um uh under uh undertone to everything that happens in the city. And when something is happening here, a lot of people learn about it very quickly. And you can you know, I I tell people like if you look at a a company like Uber, which despite certain setbacks is wildly successful. They started it only in San Francisco and New York. And that's the only two cities they were in for a very long time. And they ran a multi million dollar business. So um, the city of New York has the power to you know, make you very successful without having to go outside of it. So it's I think, like, yeah, yeah, it's just it's influential, it's powerful. And the things that are happening here reverberate around the country. And that has a little bit to do with, you know, the presence of the media in New York and people that are in the media being a part of these other circles. Um, but yeah, and and I just think I think New York is particularly special. And the way that they've approached the gray area is really special, right? Like, we're in a we're in a time now and you know it always gets as the government gets involved in anything it can it just gets stickier and a little less exciting sometimes but um, you know we're, we're looking at two years right now of just free-for-all
0: Also, have you even <laughs> on the on the street oh yeah I just walked by a place that's a, uh New York's first recreational cannabis lounge
1: was that on 8th yeah on 8th Avenue I know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> um, yeah so I mean, the reality is if you can have up to five pounds in your private residence, five you can pounds. have up to three ounces on your person, and you can have up to six plants in your house, like, why would you even bother trying to bust someone? Because if they have under five pounds, like, there's no, there's no game over, right? Yeah. And the selling of it, like, you're not hurting anyone. So it's been deprioritized, right? If there's a violent crime going on in New York, and you're, you know, a police officer busting, like, a small, uh, you know lounge operation where people are just hanging out and smoking real real, real risk everything. yeah yeah you know then you're you're not doing your job right? right and so um that's very very unique right and especially when you, you contrast it against a place like california where now the legal market is actually Feeding. pushing to police the unregulated market you know we don't have that in new york yet it's gonna happen will. it's gonna get competitive yeah. it's gonna get it's gonna get dicey but um, I got into the cannabis industry about two and a half years ago. Right at the end of 2018 was when I started working on Budsfeed as just a newsletter and um, started attending a lot of these events and stuff like that. And just, you can just see like drastically, like we used to have, you know, we'd get like, I won't name the venues, we'd get some amazing venues to like let us host these parties and stuff like that. And they were completely underground. And then, you know, I, what was it, six months ago, I did a party with the Happy Monkey guys at the Van Gogh exhibit and they just won a Silver Cleo award for the work, you know? So it's uh, it's drastically changed. Like We've always been very open about it and it's always been communal. People have been surprisingly public on platforms like Instagram about it, <clears throat> but it's, yeah, it's gone up a notch for sure.
0: Yeah, and it'll continue. Yeah, I mean, and this is the thing, this is the, I don't know what your, this period of time will have a name as we look back on it sort of historically, but like the time between when the state said yes and the state implemented is like, well, big money making time, I guess is what it really is for people in that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting. I I actually, I hope the big money aspect of it, I I hope what it does is it, it gives some of these folks who I'm friends with and some that I'm, I don't even know yet. I hope it gives them some of the backing so when they do want to enter this legal you know we start talking about licenses and stuff like that they can rely on themselves they don't you know the biggest problem about New Jersey and New York legalization is you have to own real estate and you know if, if getting a cannabis license wasn't impossible enough if you don't have the resources good luck buying a building in New York City right, right? <laughs> right. like that's gonna be ten times the cost of the license so
0: thorny issues very thorny and uh it's why regulators and elected officials are hesitant to move quickly yeah even though they don't realize that moving slowly is giving a major like is
1: yeah major advantages <laughs> to the to the legacy market and honestly that that cuts both ways though like you know the legacy market is definitely doing well the culture component of it like we're alive and well we're having a lot of fun out here in new york but if you're columbia care or you're cure Leaf or any of these guys too like and you already have a medical dispenser here they just they just um, you know we didn't have flour you couldn't right. buy flour in your and now you can not pre rolls, so, not pre-rolls but you can buy ground flour you can make That's your own so pre rolls. but you know what I'm saying like in the next four months we have we have a, a government body now that can make those decisions say oh yeah let them do pre-rolls let them do whatever so those guys are also getting to expand their market mm-hmm. I, this is not a fact but I'm gonna state it almost as if it is one
0: that's usually my job
1: yeah we don't (laughs) you know we had a very limited medical um, market right and people that work in it would tell you that and a result was nobody was getting their medical cards because it's too you can get amazing product on the streets right and uh, I bet you in the last six months you've had as many people sign up for a medical card as there were before to begin with and the biggest reason for that is you can grow five plants, right, in your house. Like or six plants now. So if you had a medical card, if you have a medical card, like that might be the only reason you even go get one, you know? Yeah, them, um, horticulture. Yeah, exactly. Right? Protection, right? And so um, I do think it's I do think it's benefiting both sides. I think Cureleaf, Columbia Care, Cresco, all these guys that are in New York, um Etain, a local woman owned one here. I you know, I I I, I hope you know, they are also taking advantage of this time to, to establish themselves.
0: Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about other things you do. Okay. Budsfeed. We talked about Budsfeed. Um, talk a little bit about um, chill. Okay.
1: Uh, so, so it's kind of interesting when I, and, and I'll, I'll give you a roundabout way of how we got to chill. So, you know, Budsfeed is this platform for sharing cannabis related products and services. I don't do advertising. I don't, honestly, that's, People don't have the money at this stage in the industry in a lot of respects um, it's also a very hard business with a lot of expectation and uh, so something I committed to very early on was was I just want to help entrepreneurs mm-hmm. like if, if, if I do nothing else this platform is to, to help amplify those voices and and as a result that'll create opportunities so you know I've been writing the newsletter like I said since uh, you know 2018 uh, one of the first 100 readers of that newsletter is an old uh, co-worker of mine, Charity Gonzalez, out of the blue, I get an email and she says, hey, I've been reading BuzzFeed since you started and my brother reads it too. Um, He is a major housewares manufacturer and he has an idea for a new bomb. Would you like to talk to him? And I said, yes, absolutely. (laughs) And so, you know, uh, long story short, he was... um, you know he worked for the largest high, private housewares company in the country. Um, he manufactured the largest stainless steel water bottle company uh, brand, sorry, I should say, at volume, uh, at wholesale volume in the country. And he had had this idea, and uh, you know, basically, he presented me the idea, um, how it would be built, how much it was going to cost to produce, and I, you know, I told him straight up, like, if you end up, if you make this, I'm there. I will be your CMO and I will help you go get the funding to make it a reality. And that's what we did. You know, he spent the money, he did the tooling, he got the molds made, he actually produced the product seems rich Gonzalez, by the way, that's my partner. And um, yeah, chill was born. Um, We, we actually bootstrapped the entire thing off the back of BuzzFeed and uh, Instagram. Uh, we got enough pre-orders to get our first PO in, oh, yeah. um, delivered those first 100 units to uh, the friends and family who fronted you know a hundred well, plus well, dollars off of a render, yeah. and uh, you know away we went. Um, and you know once we got going, it was just it was a foregone conclusion. And and uh, you know just just to explain what Chill is, it's it's the world's first double wall vacuum insulated stainless steel smoking apparatus. So. Uh, if you have a thermos or a swell bottle or a Yeti bottle or any of those and you like the way that those keep your water ice cold, the chill does the same thing for your bong water.
0: I love it. Yeah. Who
1: doesn't like an icy cold bong, right? Uh,
0: it, uh, nobody doesn't like that, um, but generally it's not cold for so long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You put ice in.
1: And a lot of people use ice, you know, ice catchers in the neck. and Like putting ice in your bong has been something people have done forever. But, yeah, it melts. You usually put it in an ice catcher in your neck. Um, this is actually designed, you put ice into the base of it and it'll keep it cool for up to 12 hours. Shit. Yeah. So, it, you know, we did a, we did an event out in Las Vegas, um, where we had six or seven of them out on the balcony at the Cosmo. <laughs> Sorry, Cosmo. Uh um, <laughs> at, at
0: a, not the Cosmo, at yeah. a different hotel. Oh, we've already
1: been kicked out of the Cosmo, it's yeah. fine. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had, you know, at the end of the night, about 11 hours later, Still full of ice, uh, and it was 105 degrees outside. Yeah. You know, so it's it we've it's been pressure tested and it's
0: uh, in, in its own environment. It's uh, you know it's funny? Though, it was it was product testing.
1: It was, it, what's funny is I feel like most people don't even understand. Like like they just like the way it looks. So it comes in. Um, you know, we have probably about 40 different designs now at this point. Um, Other oh, great designs. Um, I'm looking at them now. Sorry. Yeah. No. The aesthetic of it is really and then you know a lot of people like. Oh, I won't. I won't break this. And uh, also, uh, you know, it screws apart. The neck and the base come apart, and they're like, "Oh, that's super easy to clean." clean. And uh, oh, super easy to add ice. So there's all of these things that actually, like, you know, us being so obsessed with like the science aspects of it and stuff like that. You're like, "But yeah, it's like a, it's like a thermos." They're like, "Yeah, I, cool. I, I, that's cool." And, <laughs> and when we
0: when we post this, we will obviously post uh, pictures uh, of this and where to find it. But it's really. Great looking.
1: Yeah, it's it turned out. I mean, honestly, it's one of those things where um, it's such a serendipitous moment, and was so. It's been such an exciting ride because, you know, my whole my whole goal is to apply this background that I've developed in years of advertising and professional business to to helping entrepreneurs, and to have met Rich, and to have produced something that turned out being so beautiful and so effective um yeah yeah it's you know everything's 50% luck
0: yeah this is it's so cool the mix and match uh series with the black smoke the chill neck piece yeah. I, and we'll we'll send people how to sort of find this but it really is it's really in well it goes back to sort of what are talking about people innovating in interesting ways yeah uh to fill those needs and you have people who
1: have been closeted Smokers or consumers of some sort their entire life, and they've been they've had these ideas, and they're just now feeling comfortable to come out with them, right? Another product that we um back and, and are part owners in is a product called the Clinger uh, T H E C L I N G E R, and it's a little you know, basically a dube tube that hugs your lighter, so everywhere you go, you have your lighter and a king-size joint. And, you know, it's super cute. It's very basic. It's very simple. It could, in the next three or four months, it could live in every major convenience store and gas station in America. Um, And, you know, uh, the the person behind the Clinger is literally was a bookkeeper at a publisher. You know, it works in the fine, you know, still does today, you know, Um, you know, working in corporate finance, but he had this idea and he made it a reality. And I think more and more people are starting to bet on themselves in general in the gig economy. Mm -hmm. Like we're just people are more comfortable being freelancers than getting the full time job. And I think it's it's partially that. And I think it's partially the acceptance of cannabis. Like you can tell your mom that you're doing this, you know, and she'll be like, oh, that's cool. Way to get in on an early industry versus like slapping your Being hand publishing. And, no, I'm <laughs> Yeah, be like, I sent you to private school for all these Right years. now
0: you're doing this. I always knew you were a stoner. Yeah. Uh, no, it's really interesting. And let me ask you a question because you know you've been in it 2018. You see where you are now in New York. You have innovative, interesting products. You have Feed. Like, what, what do you think? What do you think the next year or three or five? Pick a time horizon. What mm-hmm. do you think we'll be looking at? Say five years from now. Do you think? the market in New York or product innovation or where you'll be with Budsfeed or other?
1: Oh yeah. Um, well, my big hope for us as an industry, I, I'm really not super confident that legalization is gonna happen. I don't think we have an administration that would is going to push that really heavily, but I do believe that we have um, good reason to believe that we'll have something like decrim. And I think decrim changes a lot. I think it allows banks to get involved, I think it allows things to be imported and exported that are deemed illegal um, without being illegal anymore. Um, And I think, you know, within the country, interstate commerce, right? Like Oregon has a lot of cannabis. Lots of extra. And Montana doesn't yet, you know? And if you think about being able to fly concentrate or whatever it might be from Oregon to Montana to to bolster a new market, you know, or, you know, that's just an example of like how that could go down. It's not like Northern California needs a weed from, Oregon, right. you know, Oregon or something like that. But, but uh, the decrim, decrim does the majority of the job. And, and, uh, you know, I, I would be remiss to not mention like getting people out of jail. Yeah. Right? Giving them their lives back and, and potentially giving them an, an opportunity to actually. Ramp- yeah. yeah. I always, I always, it's not a joke, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's the only industry where like, at least 20% of the top talent might still be behind, be behind bars, you know, like they literally can't do the job either because they're in jail or because they're on probation. Yeah. And uh, it is their life, it's what they loved, you know? Um, so, so Decrim, I think will change a lot. For me personally, um, uh, Budsfeed and Chill, um, we're really combining forces and we're starting a brand accelerator. And what we're focused on is identifying early stage entrepreneurs with amazing ideas. Um, We're providing them with the marketing, manufacturing, distribution, and financial backing that they need. Um, I find that a lot of a lot of these people who are trying to get into this industry are flying solo. And the thing that they want more than anything is a team, someone else they can rely on. They still want to own the majority of their business, they still want to be an entrepreneur. But there's things that you don't know, right? Like I've spent 15 years mastering marketing and social figuring media. figuring out things you didn't know. Yeah. Right. My partner spent, you know, his entire life in retail and manufacturing products. You know, we have good access to factories. So, you know, what we've what we've decided to do is figure out a way to um, bring those worlds together. And we're we're actively, like the Klinger, we're bringing in new brands who we can, um, you know, really help help you know bring to the next level with their business
0: i just like that you said buds feed and chill
1: buds feed and chill oh it's the best every time <laughs> i said a uh anytime i do a uh, uh conference call <laughs> chill it's always whatever and chill so the jokes write themselves it
0: works they do write themselves well good for you for uh choosing a name and a brand that uh that works like that Justin, i want to thank you for coming in it's nice to meet you face to face and we look forward to uh connecting with you down the road and all the success down the line all
1: right thank you so much man you got it all right
0: That was episode 15 of Cannabis Daily. Thank you for joining us this morning on YouTube. Please do subscribe and we will see you tomorrow.